and action. Welcome to the podcast, bro. <clears throat> Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, my name is Gary Burnham. Uh, I live in South Windsor. And um, to be honest with you, I've done a lot of things. Um, had a super successful baseball career for about 14 years professionally. Um, wrapped that up back in 2010. Had several Hall of Fame inductions um, because of it. And uh, then decided to start a family and uh, become a real estate investor. And now I'm a loan officer. So I kind of do a little bit of both of real estate investing, uh, do some investment loans, as well as teach kids baseball throughout the uh, local greater Hartford County here. Sweet. So, yeah. What position did you play? I played first base. Uh, I played outfield. I uh, was mostly also a designated hitter. So that's the guy that hits for the pitcher. And um, basically traveled all over the world playing baseball. Pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When did you start playing baseball? Well, shoot. I mean, you know, you start playing t-ball at around six, seven years old um, and never really stopped until I was 35. <laughs> that was my last season. Really? So from six to about 35, about 30 good years. Yeah, 29 years. Just play every single uh, spring and summer. It's like the American dream. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Right? Like it's American pastime. It is. I just I just want to be a baseball player, you know, since the time I was a little kid. I grew up in the grew up in a family with a lot of professional baseball players and uh fell in love with it. Oh, did you really? Oh yeah. How many professional baseball players oh, yeah. in your family? Um my grandfather had like seven or eight brothers. They had a baseball team in the Great Hartford Twilight League. And he him he himself played in the Brooklyn Dodgers minors back in the mid forties. And he had two other brothers that played some minor league baseball too. So um, I was just around it all the time. And my mom's brother, my uncle, he played for the Atlanta Braves organization for a while too. So uh, I was around it 24-7, grew up in it, loved it, realized I was really good at it, started getting attention for it uh, from the local papers, General Choir, Harper Current, and uh, just kind of took off from there. You tend to gravitate towards what you're getting attention for. Yeah. So you got to really be careful what you're getting attention for as a kid because you're going to gravitate towards it. Absolutely. So I just love baseball and ran with it. And I uh, ended up playing baseball at Clemson, um, was in two College World Series, and then played pros for 14 years. And uh, that's really about it. Weren't you drafted right out of high school? Yeah. Yeah, drafted right out of high school uh, by the Chicago Cubs in the 22nd round, but I declined it. I wanted to make sure I got an education under my belt because uh, I always knew you just wouldn't be able to play forever. You got to figure out something to do after all of this. Yeah. So, And I wanted to get the college experience under my belt as well. Uh, super important for kids. To understand that, um, you know, the college experience is something to be uh, embraced, for sure. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. I get into the discussion with people about college all the time because it's a hot topic, right? Oh, yeah. College is a hot topic right now, and there's, I don't know if it should be paid for or not paid for. I think it should be. I think it should, I mean, there's public schools. I think there <clears> should <throat> be a, set, a, a a higher education that's offered in yeah. state. Yeah, And then I think there should be private schools as well, that if you want to go to a private school, then you should be able to pay for that and get exactly. that higher education. I, that's what Yes, I, think. I mean, right now you can go to like a local community college for free for two years, get yourself like maybe 30, 40 credits, or I think about, yeah, like 15, 30 credits, and then apply for um, one of the four-year schools and go there for two years and get your degree from that school. So there's kind of a system in place that allows for that. That's great. Yeah. Local community college in Connecticut. If you, you know, if you don't know what you want to major in or become, you're going to for general studies anyways when you go to a four year university. Your well, first two years. 
I have a theory that all relationships start based on an emotional experience. There you go. So I like it. I think college is a heightened emotional experience for a group of people that are all studying probably similar things in their, in their clique, right? Like if you're in this group of people and you're all studying sociology or psychology or art or film or whatever it is you do or law, whatever you decide to study, that group of people is going to become innately more connected throughout their lives. Oh yeah. Because of that connection and because of that emotional experience of the stress and the fun and the excitement and the wins and the losses that you're sharing together create a bond that is innate for life. And I think people like myself who didn't go to college missed out on an extremely amazing opportunity to have a network for life of like-minded people. Yeah, I I can, I could definitely see that. I mean, there are people that would argue too, that, you know, it was a waste of of their time. It didn't, you didn't miss anything. Sure. (laughs) And the same things could have been provided in your local hometown if even if you didn't go, you know, but, you know, I would just simply say for kids, obviously, yeah, I mean, that whole experience piece, you're young, you're you're just, it's your first time away from your hometown or whatever. It's, you know, it's a, it's a fun experience. You're sharing it with other kids that have um, very similar experiences too. So that's. I think that what you touched on is waste of time. I think those people probably waste their time at a lot of things. Exactly. I think you get out what you put in. Yeah. And as an athlete, I wasn't at the level that you were on, obviously, but as an athlete growing up, that was it. Like, that's what we were taught. You're going to get out what you put in. Yeah. So the harder you worked and the more effort you made and the more tape you watched and the more exercises you did that supported what you were doing, the better you were going to get. Yeah. And the more you were going to get out of it. And the more you did that stuff with the guys and girls on your team, the more connected you became. And the longer those relationships lasted. I have friends from high school football only because we had heightened emotional experiences together during that time. Yeah. And then I have people that I played football with that I never talked to because we didn't have those same experiences because some of them just didn't put in the effort and the time that some of us other guys did. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing where you're definitely going to get out what you put in. Yeah. It takes more than hard work to be successful. It takes a whole slew of... Yeah. Of other skills. A lot of factors, yep. And talent and, and and things that you're supposed to understand about people yeah. in order to gain success, right? Yep. So I guess one of the things that I would be curious about on this topic is what other skills did it take for you to become a major league baseball player besides hard work? Yeah, so, it you know, honestly, it takes a ton of perseverance, right? You just can't work blindly and expect great things to happen to you while you're working your tail off. Okay. You have to be well aware that you're going to hit some major adversity along the way, you know, whether it's injury, whether it's uh, denial where you're not on the team you want to be on. Um, the coach doesn't believe in you, but you believe in yourself type stuff. And, you know, if you just simply work your butt off and don't expect to run into these walls, I don't really think you're pushing yourself hard enough or on the right path. Uh, you have to fi- you have to find those avenues for yourself that create almost create the adversity. You know, like that team you don't really think maybe you can uh, make or you know that weight you possibly think you might not be able to lift. Well, you're gonna have to figure out a way to put that weight on the bar 
or try to try out for that team or try to to get over that hurdle, you know, but just blindly working hard isn't really going to get you to the goal. You have to have a path that you want to try to run on yeah. towards it. And, you know, as I advanced in my career, I knew the path I wanted to take and I was willing to make the necessary efforts to, to follow along on that path. And when I did hit the adversity, I kind of, I kind of knew what it was going to take to, to, to get me through it, which was the perseverance part of it the belief in myself part of it and just the blind faith of knowing that I would be able to make it through, you know, despite what was going to happen. What was one of the biggest hurdles you had to overcome? Most of it is, most of it is, is injury related. You know, when you, when you play as many games as I played, you're just, you're going to have something wrong with you. So you're going to have, you know, when I was 17, I had an ACL tear in my right knee from high school football. And that was a major, major issue. Uh, but I just knew in my mind I'd be able to come back. Um, then when I was 19 years old, the, my other ACL was torn as well. So I had two ACL tears by the time I was 19. And I still was able to come back from those injuries and you know, have a 14-year professional career because I just knew what it was going to take in my mind to get over it. Um, I didn't use excuses. I only looked for inspiring stories of other people that did the same thing. And just simply believed in myself and worked extremely hard every single day to overcome any of the doubt that I had and just replace it with faith and uh, confidence. And Where do you think that came from? Uh, just my inner strength, man. You know, just an intense belief in myself. Um, my family's super supportive. You know, they're can-do people. Constantly encouraging you to, to um, just be stronger than your, than your circumstances type people. And... Uh, I just knew in my mind, I, I just, I had the drive, man. I, w- I was built in with the drive and the determination to just overcome whatever comes my way. And fortunately for myself, you know, I, I, I became, I was on the success side of the story, you know, but there are a lot of people that simply couldn't get, th- couldn't, couldn't get through injuries. And they almost use those as a perpetual excuse as to why they didn't achieve their dreams. But when I do listen to those people, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from, but there's a part of me that thinks maybe they just they just weren't willing to find the solution for it you know, yeah you know it's i don't know what is who did you look up to as a kid and who was in your life that was kind of cheering you on and helping you motivate when you were young yeah my well my uncle was um you know he's only 12 years older than me so my uncle ralph was you know an incredible role model for me because he was a fifth round draft pick out of south windsor high school you know, here's a 17-year-old kid that goes into minor league baseball. So I was, I was five years old at the time, you know, and to have an uncle that's, oh, my God, this guy's the coolest thing in the world. He's a pro baseball player, and he was my mom's brother. Yeah, that's big. It's huge, you know, and then he'd, be, he'd come over the house. And, you know, so when he was 20, I was 12. You know, so when he was over the house, you know, I would ask him a million questions. I mean, those are the ages where you're so pumped for Little League Baseball, you're sleeping in your uniform on a Friday night for a Saturday game, you know. Yeah. You're out of your mind at 12. So to have an uncle that was in the pros was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest dude I have ever met. And the fact that he's in your family was even cooler. Yeah. So he was kind of like my go-to superhero guy that I'm like, I want to be just like this guy. This is the most amazing thing in the world. So this is a, there's a saying, right, that hard work beats talent every time. Okay. Right. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's the one yeah. I've heard. Yeah. yeah same, same concept, yep, same right? Same concept. Yeah. Well, I have a theory that hard work beats talent and, or whatever it is, but 
the reality is, is nepotism kicks the shit out of both. <laughs> and you have an undercover nepotism. Yeah. Right. And I don't mean like your uncle got you a job in the, in the major league baseball. Cause that's not how it works. Like you can't that's just, right. you, you, he could have got you a job in a back room in through nepotism. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is that nepotism of your uncle at a very pertinent age for you became a pro baseball player. Yes. That's a version of nepotism that people don't think about because yes. what that does for you as a young man, as a kid, it inspires you. And you had an uncle that clearly was a good dude and was in your life. Yes. And he would answer your questions. He would yes. cheer you on. He would show you tips and he would show you yes. things that would help you get better to get you to that elite level. And you, exactly. and you ab absorbed it and you took it on. I was willing to keep my ears open because Absolutely. I was interested. There are several people though that purposely close their ears yep. because it's a family member giving them. And I hear it all the time with, with dads that want me to help their kid. Ah, oh, he doesn't listen to me. Ah, uh, he's yeah. For some reason, he just and and some kids just don't absorb it, right? right. But I kept my mind open and was like, you know, you you got to listen to your to your uncle, man. This guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, because he was my hero. But you're you're a hundred percent correct. Um, and I've talked to people a lot of uh, about this type of stuff a lot. Basically, saying that you know when you grow up in an environment as a kid you're more susceptible to be successful in that environment because you're familiar with it Yep. and you're immersed into it and you have the mentors and the coaches and the teachers naturally showing you and, and hopefully telling you how to do it, but you're watching all this. Absolutely. And that's, and that has a huge benefit to somebody that is in any environment, you know, any profession or for me, it was sports, you know, Yeah. it had a huge impact on, my ability to do well in the sport was just being around it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, those are the things that matter yes. in your life. Those exactly. are the things that help you get to the next level of something. So I've been obsessed with achievement for as long as I can remember. I've been obsessed with how do you get to where you want to be? Yeah. But I was a kid that in kindergarten wanted to be a clown in the circus and became a clown in the circus when I graduated high school. I was a kid that knew that I wanted to play football at Rockville High, even though it was a different town than I lived in, but I found a way to play football at Rockville High. Yeah. Like, I was that kid that always looked for the path. Right. Right, that you're talking about. Yes. And I still, to this day, look for the path. And now, with me, I look at other people, and I go, okay, what was their path? How do I break that path down so yeah. other people can understand it? Exactly. Right? So a big piece of your path is your uncle. Yes. A big piece of your path is your grandfather. Yes. It's all of these people in your life that were athletes and professional baseball players. Yes. That not only genetically do you have talent, which is great, but they also gave you information, which is also great. But then there's the other piece of you're willing to fucking listen. Yes. And if you're not willing to fucking listen, then you're probably pretty close to hopeless at a certain point. Because nobody does shit by themselves. Exactly. I don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you're doing. You're not going to be able to do it alone. That's correct. It takes so many people on your journey helping you up, whether they're pulling you up, pushing yeah. you up, lifting you up, however they're getting you to the next step. You're not going to be able to do it just on your own. There's only so far That's you can correct. push yourself before it breaks. That's correct. That, that's 100% correct. Um, and to your point, 
you know, I was the athlete that, you know, you know how when the coach is always like, you know, you kids need to be practicing extra. You need to be running extra sprints. You need to be lifting extra weights. You know, if I say do 10, you need to do 20. Well, I was the kid that did all that. And, 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 there, and when I was a young man, I trained myself into injuries. Yeah. Because I was actually listening, doing the extra million reps. Where now as a, you know, a 48-year-old coach that's looking back on children, if I identify that kid, I say, rest is an important part of this whole journey. Yeah. Like if I'm telling you to do 20, do 22, but don't do 50, man. Yeah. Like you're going to wind up with an overuse injury at 17 years old that you didn't really ask for. Yeah. Because you're out of your mind excited about this. That, like that was me. I was out of my mind pumped to like well, whatever the hell I was going to go for. I was going for it. Yeah. Well, that's the difference between having a professional level coach and having a high school level coach too. <laughs> a high school level coach is telling you to do 10. Because they think that's enough. A pro level coach is telling you to do 20 because that's the amount. Yeah. And then if you do five more, great, good on you. But that's that thing where like when, when you have a high school or a dad coach and they tell you to do five or 10 and you step up and do the 20, that makes sense. Yeah. But when you have somebody that's at an elite level telling you to do something, they're telling you to do it at that level because that's the level that works. Exactly. They, they understand the formula right. to be better than everybody doing the norm. Right. Which in that scenario, yeah. the point is know who's talking to you. Exactly. Like understand who's giving you the advice. Exactly. Don't ignore advice. Just understand who's giving it to you. And assess where they've been in their life too. Right. Because they're only speaking from a frame of experience and reference. Oh, everybody. Right. Everybody does. Right. So if they're not, if they haven't experienced what you want to experience, you know, really consider what they're telling you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, take a take a closer look at the credibility that you're getting from them. Yeah, you know. So, so you have kids now? Oh yeah, I got three. Are they athletes? Yeah. So right now, right now we I see some athletic talent in all three of the kids. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not the dad that runs around saying, "Hey, hey, look at my kids." I don't do it. I, I just I don't like it. I think it's a kiss of death a lot of times. I, I believe the sports gods are always listening to parents' conversations. Yep. Um, and I just tell the kids, I coach their effort. You know, when they get in the cars after sporting events, I coach effort. Listen, man, you, you, you looked like you played hard out there. You know, you looked like you dogged it on a couple of the, couple of the minutes or whatever. Um, did you play hard? Did you have fun? You know? Yeah, explain that a little more. Explain what you mean by effort. coach the effort. What does That's that right. mean? What that means is that what I've recognized is that young kids that don't have the brain capacity to understand the mechanics of skill, you can coach their effort because everybody understands effort no matter what age you are. So, for example, if you were to tell a seven-year-old child that's playing on a coach pitch level league locally here, Every time you're up to bat, I want you to bend your knees, keep your hands up by your ears, keep the back elbow up, and if the pitch is decent, I want you to swing it, okay? I can promise you they're not going to bend their knees, they're not going to have their hands up, they're not going to have their back elbow up, and you're frustrated as a coach saying, why aren't they listening to me? Well, it's because they don't have the capacity to implement the skills you're asking them to implement. 
But if you went up to a kid and said, if you see a good pitch, swing the bat as fast as you can, they will. Because I, I watch them do it. Swing it as fast as you can. And they do it. Because you can, you can coach the effort at the younger levels because they don't have the skill, the, the brain capacity to understand the skill. But okay. it'll get there. It just takes a while. It shows up around 10 with um, boys, 9, 10 years old. Well, there's also something to be said about teaching effort at a young age. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, if that's the thing we're teaching at this young age, that's going to stick with them in whatever they do. That's right. They're going to say, you know, coach said, I need to try hard. I need to work harder. Coach right. said, I need to do this harder. Coach said, do this thing this much. That's right. right. I need to run faster. I need to throw the ball faster, swing the bat as fast as I can. I need to high five my teammates. Like, the effort is what I believe the kids um, should learn first how to coach the effort. Are they putting in maximum effort as they're learning the sport, as their skill set's improving? Or do you. Use, <laughs> The coach tries to teach the skill, and the kid doesn't have the brain capacity. It's like I tell coaches all the time that, you know, come up to me and start talking about what's talked about on the major league games. That's yeah. like, ooh, because they, they have a lot of metrics in place right now. You watch TV, they're going to talk about the launch angle, spin rates, you know, and I say, listen, this is the calculus of the sport. Right. Even though little Johnny is an excellent math student, he's learning simple addition and subtraction in school. His brain can't handle calculus. It will, but don't have those conversations because they don't understand what you're talking about at all. And yeah. they're not going to be able to implement this stuff. So don't go there. You, you have know, boys that, or girls? I have two boys and a girl. Yeah. Does she play sports? Yeah. Reagan plays softball. Um, she plays soccer and basketball. How old is she? She's 10. Okay. Yep. And my little guy, Bryce, is eight, and my little guy, Grant, six. Nice. So I, and I coach, I head coach all their teams. So, oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a 14 year old daughter, and I have yep. a 14 year old stepdaughter. Both play sports. Nice. But when my daughter was little, I was a single dad. So I always used to get shit. Mm hmm. Um, because I would tell her, and coaches would hear me, and I would be like, if you don't run during the game, you're going to run after the game. <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. And I literally would make her run after the games if she didn't put in the effort. Exactly. I'd say, well, if you waste my time, I'm going to waste your time. Yeah. And one day she was like running because after game, I was like, you didn't put in the effort, kid. You got to run. Yeah. And she was so upset. She started crying and she was still yeah. running, but she was running. She was crying. So a bunch of parents came over to me and were like, what are you doing? She's crying. She's, I was like, why don't you mind your business? Yeah. And they were like, you're just being too hard on her. I'm like, you raise your kid how you want to raise your kid. I'll raise right. my kid how I want to raise my kid. Yep. And now my kid is a starting athlete in ninth grade yeah. doing, you know, loving softball, plays on a travel softball team, yep. plays softball hard, is a catcher, and loves every minute of it. Yeah. And wants to do the work and comes home and does yeah. the work. But I coached the effort to begin with. That's right. That's right. Right? So it, it made sense to her that, and she still says it today. Like, I'll hear her with, with the team be like, if you don't run during, like, if I don't run during practice, my dad's going to make me run after. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm paying for this shit. Yeah, you better Absolutely. believe I'm going to make you run. Yeah, you created a standard of, of, of effort. You created right. a barometer for, those, for your daughter to, to go out there and say, you know, if I don't meet this expectation, dad's going dad's gonna, gonna to recognize it. Right. And then I'm not going to gain his approval because now he's going to be pissed and now I got to run. Yeah. So I, I love that. That's what I love, but I don't do it on the skill part of it. I right. don't do no. it on you don't swing the bat right or, you know, you – you're not you're not um, fielding the ball properly. 
you know, you guys are running. I don't do any of that, but I do more, like you said, I do more on the effort piece of it because if we can, if we can raise the bar and the standard on the effort, the skill piece of it's going to get there, you know? Right. And now that she's 14, I do some of the skill stuff. Exactly. Now that she's 14, she, her head coach right now is amazing. Her what, head coach, what program are you guys? She's doing? uh the Berlin Bulldogs. Okay. And Hannah Cooper is her coach. She was a is D1 she, yeah. catcher. Oh, cool. She's fucking awesome. Is she? Yeah. She's yeah, amazing. Good. So she's an amazing catcher too. So. Brianna's learning stuff from her on a regular basis, but Hannah's also the coach that just gives her simple drills and says, okay, do this. Yeah. You know, do this for 15 minutes or do yep. this for X amount of times. And I'll just be like, Hey, did you do your throws today? Hey, did you do your pops today? Hey, did you do this? Today? Yeah. And you know, sometimes she'll roll her eyes and sometimes she'll get mad, but she'll go do them. You know? And at least she knows dad's paying attention to the, right. the path. And then she started volleyball this year. Yeah. She can't jump for shit. Yeah. Which is funny because she's a catcher, so she has a really strong leg. She just doesn't have the like she doesn't have the the calibration to understand how yeah. to jump properly. Not yet. So I got her a jump box. And Good. I'm like, all right, cool. This has three different levels. You're gonna do twenty on each side. Yep. Every day. Yep. That's how you're gonna learn to jump. Exactly. Right? So I'm giving her the opportunity to help herself. Exactly. And then I'm holding her accountable by saying, Hey, did you do this? Yeah. Hey, this is what I expect. Yep. And I only do it. And I ask her before I buy something, hey, do you want me to get you a jump box so you can learn how to jump higher? Yes, I want that. Okay. Then the expectation is I spent my money, so now you have to do this thing. Exactly. You have to do yeah. this at least three times a week. You need to do 20 jumps on each side. Yeah. That's the expectation for the money that I output. <clears throat> exactly. And I asked you if you wanted it. You said yes. So now this is the expectation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yep. that's because she's older now. When she was younger... I started it when she was young. I was like, okay, well, if I buy this, you have to use it, which means you have to play the game, yeah. which means you have to do this thing, right? So I always instilled the expectation of the purchase. Yeah, that's, that's correct. In my opinion, that's the right way to do it. That's the right way to do it. Too many people use criticism as a form of motivation or, or coaching, and I never believe that works um, simply because the parent or the coach doesn't really know what to say. Yeah. So therefore they just criticize. Right. And it does nothing except distance the child from communicating with you. I think if you can build a relationship of playfulness in it, you can teach them how trash talk is a thing. Yeah. Oh, that's big. That's right. a difference. So yeah. like when she's behind the plate and they're winning by 12 points and she misses a ball, I'm like, kind of trash, Laguerre, kind of trash. Yeah. And she'll just look at me, of course, make yeah. a face and get the ball. Of right. Course. But she knows that like what I'm saying, she knows that. I'm I'm giving her shit to help her remember that you may be winning, but you of still course. have a job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, just because you're ahead of the game doesn't mean you let up. You exactly. still have to play all the way. Play the game correctly, regardless of score. Right. That's right. So whether you're winning or losing, like this is this is the job. Yep. And if you're gonna do the job, then you're gonna have to do it right. Yep. You know, 100%. another big thing that I started last year with her was you know, you're old enough to start making your own decisions on whether you're gonna play or not, and you have to hold accountability for yourself and approach the coach yourself. Yeah. So she was playing last summer on a different team and she got hit with a ball playing catcher, like in the, like it got past her shin guard and hit her in the knee. Yeah. And it hurt. I'm sure it did. Like, of course it hurt. It's a 50 mile an hour fastball oh, yeah. to the knee is going to hurt. Of course. So she comes limping off and the coach started to baby her and he's a dad coach. And he kind of waved me over cause I knew him and I was, I was a buddy with him. He's like, is she okay? So I just looked at her and said, 
This is the moment where you decide what type of person you want to be. Exactly, dude. Are you the type of person that got hurt and wants to quit? Or are you the type of person that got hurt and you want to keep going? Because I was always taught that there's a difference between hurt and injured. Yeah. Right? Hurt yeah. means that this is painful, but I can keep going because nothing's broken. Injured means that I'm injured. I have to sit out and get better so I can play again. Exactly. So if you don't understand the fundamentals of that as an athlete, then you're going to get yourself in trouble and you're going to get your kids in trouble if you're a parent that has them sit out every time they're hurt. Yeah. Because they're going to lean on that and they're going to start using it as an excuse. Right. And so today's coaches, we're looking for ways to help teach toughness, right? How do we teach toughness in a culture that is just constantly promoting the softness part of it? Yep. Right. Everything's a, everything's a cupcake after the game. Everything's a, um, don't worry about it, you know, type stuff. But in my opinion, you know, you handle it absolutely hundred percent correctly because I did the same exact thing. I had a girl hit by a pitch. I saw her crying. I walk up to her. I says, okay, you know, how do you feel? And, you know, they're just shaking up. Yeah. Right. And so the typical, the typical response is going to be, come on back to the dugout. We'll put a pinch runner in for you. Yeah. It's okay. You know, Hey mom, come on over, give her a few hugs. And, you know, and I understand that as a dad, that's a reasonable way to handle it. And I don't, I don't, sure. I don't criticize anybody that handles it that way. But I always ask myself, you know, how can I be a better coach? How can I teach toughness right now? So just like you did, I said, okay, listen, you have two choices. You know, you can either run to first base and allow this pain to subside in probably about 20 seconds. You're not going to worry about it anymore. And show the team and yourself some toughness. Or you can just go to the bench right now, call it a day, and I can get your mom over here to rub it down. And that's a reasonable option too. You know, which one are you going to choose? Right. Sure. It's a reasonable option. But as a parent, at a certain point, I think a lot of parents have forgotten that it's their job to raise their kids to be successful on their own. Exactly. And if every time they get hurt, you coddle them and tell them that it's going to be okay and I'm here for you and I'll fix it and coach is a big meanie. And yeah. oh you oh baby are you okay? You're just raising somebody that's going to be mentally weak and physically weak potentially, but definitely mentally weak in the state of this is hard. Mom said I can quit. This is hard. Dad said I could quit. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm life is fucking hard, bro. It is. It's yeah. not easy. It, yeah, life is full of shit. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to get through it. We are wading through bullshit every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you are not mentally ready for it then you're going to fucking fail. Yeah, you're going to be calling home every second. Yeah, yeah. Or you're just going to be living at home. <laughs> Even worse, right? Right. Like you're going to yeah. be an adult human being living at home, wondering why you don't have a girlfriend or boyfriend, wondering why life isn't better, wondering yeah. why things aren't easier, wondering why it was so easy for you as a kid, but now it's so hard as an adult. Yeah, you just kind of live in this enabling sphere of doing nothing for yourself. Right. Yeah. Like I just think that it's so important to remember that as parents, it's our job to help our kids become strong and independent. Exactly. The word is independent. Like, so, how do we teach independence? How do we slowly remove ourselves from doing everything for them? <laughs> so I adopted my yeah. daughter when she was two and a half. Yeah. So I started taking her to the park, you know, once she was done being feral, because I don't know if you've ever adopted a kid, but they're no. it's pretty intense. It was basically like raising Tarzan for the first year. <laughs> so. So, but once we had our thing and we understood each other and we clicked, and then I was a single dad at that point. So I was by myself as a 30 year old man raising a three and a half year old girl 
not knowing shit about parenting because I never had a kid. Yeah. Right. And I lived on my own and did my own oh, thing boy. my whole life. Yeah. So I had all kinds of rules just based on my experience of who I was and what I wanted her not to be. Right. Like I didn't <laughs> want her to be like her dad and mom because yeah. they failed. They yeah. were weak. They failed. They decided drugs and doing whatever they were going to do was more important than their kids. And I was never going to let that be her. So yeah. I would take her to the park and she'd be like, Danny, can you come help me with this? And I go, no, our rule, you know, our rule, your, our rule is if you can't do it, you can't do it. Yeah. And what that means is if you can't do it on your own, then I'm not going to help you do it. That just means you're not big enough and capable yet to do it. Yeah. So she would literally at three and a half years old, go hit that rock wall and keep falling off halfway up. And there would be moms there just looking at me like, uh, she's going to hurt herself. And I would be like, she's not going to hurt herself. She'll be all right. She'll be all right. She's yeah. bendy. And that's, that ground is soft. Like yeah. she's going to be fine. This yeah. is what's going to make her tougher than your kid. This is what's going to make her persevere when it, when it I'm matters. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And now I have a daughter that's 14 that looks at me and like, I don't give a shit what they think. Good. I'm like, right. You shouldn't. Yeah, they don't matter. You're on the right path. Exactly. Right? Like people yeah. only matter as much as they matter to you. So if you exactly. don't know that fucking person and they're talking shit, who cares? Well, it's just who cares. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, the old saying, like, you know, it says more about you than it does, does right. me. Absolutely. For, for people that feel the need to talk that shit, it says more about them. Right. Than, it's, than it says about the person, right? Because... Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a friend of mine told me one time, you wouldn't care what people thought if you knew how often they actually thought of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so some people spend like their entire day or whatever they're doing saying like, well, geez, I hope this person's impressed or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And then, but if you were to actually ask the person, hey, how often did you think of that one person? Like, well, I don't know, a split second when I saw him and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> then the person's like, why the fuck was I even thinking about him? Yeah. Absolutely. What, what was the point? Right. So and you, if you live by that, it's, it's kind of true. But people it, really aren't paying attention. It's one of those things where I'm frustrated to see parents, like, they work so hard at making their children codependent on them. Oh, we enable the shit out of them. And it's like, like with volleyball, like there was another girl on, like when Brianna was, was doing volleyball, I would literally, I would say stuff to her before she started. I'd be like, breathe, relax, because I was close enough to speak. And yeah. she would, she'd stop, she'd take a breath. And then other parents were like, she actually listens to you and doesn't make a face. I was like, well, yeah, this is sports. <laughs> like, I don't, why would your kid make a face at you? Like, if you have a good relationship with your kid and you have an understanding with your kid of mutual respect and you taught effort first, now that kid is going to look at you for the assist. And when you say something, when you're able to teach your kid at a young age that they're independent and they can handle it, yeah. When I say something, it has value because I'm not always helicoptering. I'm not always in her yeah. ear telling her everything every seven seconds on what to do and how to do it. Of course. The things that I say are poignant because I'm only saying the shit that matters. Exactly. Right? And I yeah. may talk a lot and I may say a bunch of shit. So she may ignore half of it sometimes because she is a kid and she is my daughter. Of course. But eventually she looks at me and goes, you were right. I, I should have done this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I always say to the dads that come for hitting lessons. I say, oh, he's listening. He's just not applying what he's listening to. Right. But he's listening. Yeah. They're listening. I can promise you they're listening. Right. So I have, a, I have a thing where hearing and listening is two different things. Hearing something is noise. Listening is comprehension. Yeah, you're right. So these people are hearing it, but they're not listening. <laughs> exactly. Right? He's yeah. hearing me. Yeah. He's hearing the words. 
he's just not he's not accepting them and, and listening to them and comprehending them exactly. and putting them to work and applying them and that'll be up to him to take that or her to take that time to apply it and make it work for them yeah right so but that's part of me in dealing with achievement and knowing that i obsess over how to exceed and 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 achieve all of the goals that i want to achieve there you go and doing that means that i have to define things very specifically and I have to yeah. define words very specifically. And then I pass it on to my kid, right? And I'm like, yeah. well, are you, are you listening to me or are you hearing me? Yeah. Because if you're Good just hearing you. me, I'm going to stop fucking talking. But <laughs> if you want to listen, then we can have a conversation about how you can do better. Awesome. When you're ready to listen, let's have a fucking conversation. If you never want to talk to me about it and you don't want to listen to me, that's fine too. But don't make me talk if you're not going to listen. I love it. Hell yeah. Right? I'm, I'm with you, man. So, and that's... That's a lot of the way I parent. I parent the way that I want her to become. I don't parent based on, oh, she's a kid. Oh, she needs this. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that kids can't handle it. I believe that kids are super fucking resilient. And if you don't apply the pressure, you're not going to get a diamond. Yeah, exactly. Pressure. Per, yeah. You're going to end up with a bunch of fucking lumps of coal. Yeah, there's a lot of softies out there. Bro. Which are super useful. Coal is useful. Don't get me wrong. They make great employees. They can heat the fucking house. Yeah. But a diamond, that's what leads. I just tell kid, I just tell people all the time, like if, if, if we can teach the kids of today an old school work ethic and mm -hmm. apply it to today's world, they would dominate their And there's group. a bunch that do it. There's a, there are there's kids a that, do, that it. do it. Because the definition of hard work these days is not the same definition no. of the past. Well, it's also the understanding of like, I don't think kids belong on social media. Absolutely. I don't not. think social media is a place that kids should be until they're 18 years old. And I live in a blended family, so I lost part of the battle. So my kid gets an hour of Instagram a day. Yep. That's it. Okay. One hour and cut off. And she's 14, so I hope she can handle it. And I have access to her account, so I know what's going on there. So I know who's going to be looking at her and sending her messages and talking to her. But again, it's only an hour. Yeah. And she'll ask for more time and I'll ignore it because, and she knows that if I ignore it, that means no. Right. So we don't have to have a conversation about it. She doesn't have to throw a tantrum about it. She doesn't have to argue with me about it because she knows at any given point I can take it away. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm the You're parent. In control, I'm in control. Yeah. But kids don't, it's like literally, I think letting your kids on social media is the same as dropping them off at a bar and saying, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Like there's adults in there. Well, there's research on all this. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that guy Simon Sinek on the on the Love internet, him. yeah, he's incredible. So he he has the research in front of him, and he talks about you know alcohol has an age limit, smoking yep. has an age limit, and and these addictive things are hitting the the centers of your brain that these drugs hit, yep. and these social media companies know all this, and they're just literally creating addicted children and adults so, and adults so they can grab their attention mm -hmm. to you know influence how they what their behavior is like and you just find the research is pointing towards the damage it's actually doing you know i tell my wife all the time i all this stuff's going to come right to the surface in another 15 years because you're going to have yeah. kids that have literally grown up on this stuff from the time they were born to right around 25 years old you know, so you take a 25 year sample of what it's done for kids that have been on this stuff all day every day and they're going to know what the damage was, yeah. you know, which is sad. That's, yeah. that's kind of, that's my philosophy on where this is all 
headed. I almost think like it's one giant experiment. Yeah. And the well, research is going to come out. And then at some point, the generations down the road are going to go back to the friggin', you know, rotary phone on the wall and say, yeah, it wasn't that bad in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I only let her talk on the phone in the kitchen. There you go. I don't let her have her kitchen phone in the bedroom. I don't want it in your bedroom. It doesn't belong in your bedroom. Right. Right. Like I never had a phone in my bedroom and my phone sure shit wasn't a computer that I could like, I talk to people all the time about the idea of like a dick pic when we were kids. If I was to send a dick pic to somebody <laughs> as a kid, I would have had to go buy a disposable camera. Exactly. Take that picture, then go back to a public place and have them develop that picture. I'd have to wait five to seven business days, go pick up my picture of my dick. Then I'd have to put it in an envelope, <laughs> get a stamp, address it, yeah. mail it, wait another three to five days for it to arrive. Then she would get it and open it and go, what the fuck is this? But I would have had all that time to go, this is way too much effort. Now it's literally snap, boom, gone in literally seconds. Right. And then that picture can ruin and the kid's life. And that picture can ruin your entire life. I know. That's the uh, scary. And that picture, what a lot of people don't understand is that picture can ruin the parent's life because exactly. if their name is on the phone, exactly. that's child porn. Yeah. Th yeah. See, that's trafficking yeah. child pornography on a device that you own. Yeah. So it's adding all this up saying so we're in a different world. Want to watch your kids. Exactly. Like keep the cell. Like it's not going to kill them to talk on the, like the reason you make your kids talk on the phone in the kitchen is so you can fucking hear what they're talking about. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of inappropriate talk in the kitchen. Yeah. As much as there would be in their bedroom. Of course. And there's, a, there's in today's world, a lot of the computer stuff acts as a, an artificial babysitter because a lot of, and yep. my belief is that a lot of parents, you know, with today's hustle and bustle, they're secretly hoping for, you know, one hour window where they can just tranquilize their kid on a computer and yeah. catch up on whatever useless nonsense they need to catch up with, whether it's emails, texting, whatever. Yeah. And it's like a vicious cycle of, of nonsense. Right. I try and catch myself because my entire business is on my phone. Right. I run social media accounts. That's I know. I that's how you do business. it. For, I know. I know. Right. So. I try and catch myself if I go out to dinner with my family and I pull my phone out. You know, my wife will call me out on it. I try and call myself out on it. We, we all try and hold each other accountable. I know. And it's I'm hard. the one looking at my kids going, put your phone away. And then I go and reach for my phone. I'm like, oh, I just said put your phone away. I know. I can't do it. I got to leave it. Like, I got to leave it. Right? Like, we got to at least have this moment. And I'm a culprit of it. Like, I do it. So I'm not saying that I'm perfect. And I'm not saying that there's a perfect system out there. But what I'm saying is... You have to hold yourself as accountable as you can. And also, at the same time, me being on my phone is like me having a whiskey at the end of the night. I'm not going to let my fucking 12-year-old have a whiskey. Exactly. Right? So the things that I have, they don't, like, equal is not fair and fair is not equal. I would Like, that's just not how the world works. I get it. Like, I get to do shit you don't get to do because I've already lived. Yeah. I'm already here. Yeah. Like, I'm as, I'm as smart as I'm going to get. <laughs> I can learn new shit and I can pay attention to stuff, but at the end of the day, my brain works the way it works, and this is this is who I am. Yep. You still have time. Yeah. You you still have. I'm more, with you. You're not cooked yet. You have time to go. Yeah, you're in a, you're a clean slate. Right. So we have to, you know, help. That's our job to help young people guide. And as a coach and as a parent, or anybody that's in a leadership role, teachers, coaches, principals, yes. all of these people have to start understanding accountability and understanding mental toughness or work when I'm old, 
it's going to be a real fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. When I'm geriatric and the world can't help me, that's going to be a problem for me, and that's going to be my fault as one of the parents of this generation. <laughs> I agree with you, man. Like, so that's where the struggle for me is, you know, and and a lot of it gets broken down to political policies right now where it's like, oh, well, that that's very conservative or, oh, that's very liberal or, oh, fuck that shit. No, it's not. This has nothing to do with your political party. This has to do with understanding the fundamentals of human beings. Right. Understand human behavior. Human yeah. behavior dictates that they are going to step up to whatever challenge is put in front of them if they are taught to step up to it. But if you teach them that the challenge, if you say, oh, honey, if it's too hard, don't worry about it. I got it. That's all they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. With everything. Forever. I know. With everything. It's and sad, then they're going to start throwing tantrums and falling into them because they don't want to do it. Exactly. Right? So it's, it's that level of accountability that people have to start understanding that I am, I am right down the political middle. I tell everybody that my political party is purple. Because you might as well <laughs> blend all the red and blue together because that's where I fucking sit. There's shit yeah. over here that I agree with and there's shit over here that I agree with. Yeah. And if it, if it makes sense and it's logical, then I'm probably going to be on board with it. If it's irrational, then I'm probably not going to be on board with it. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's a certain level of accountability. Yeah. And there's no difference than life and sports of accountability. It's just like a baseball player that does yeah. steroids and breaks a record. Do they get to keep that record? Right. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They right. shouldn't keep that record. You cheated. That's right. You broke the rules. Exactly. You weren't good enough to do it on your own. Yep. And you found a loophole or you snuck and did this thing and got caught. Yep. So you lose. That's right. Right? Like yeah. cheating is not okay. That's right. That doesn't make you better. Make it, doing the work makes you better. Exactly. And it's like, oh, well, how, how much does steroids really help you hit a ball? I don't know. It improves your speed. And you have to swing the bat pretty fast to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah. And the faster you swing the bat, the farther the ball goes. Yeah. Seems like pretty simple science to understand those fundamentals. Yeah. It, they, yeah. No. It, I went through the steroid era, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was playing in the late 90s to 2010. Steroids were incredibly popular. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of guys use them for not only the increase in strength, but a big portion of it was the recovery. Yeah. The fact that these guys could feel brand new the next day. I bet. That was a big reason why a lot of guys used. Um, and a lot of guys did use because they needed an extra couple miles an hour on their fastball or... Mm -hmm an extra surge of some power that they needed for their hitting and which they felt would obviously boost their performance to get the contract they wanted, to get the money they wanted. So there was, it was big when I was playing very, very big. Um, but there was also a ton of players that just wouldn't go down that road in their mind because like what you just said, their integrity was too high inside their, right. inside their, inside their soul, you know, which was where I landed. You know, I just said, listen, man, my life's going to be where it is based on honesty, integrity, and I'm just going to work my ass off and let the big man sort it all out. Well, that's like, there's a lot of hot topics in sports right now. And understanding that every choice you make comes with a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Every choice you make in your life, no matter who you are, comes with sacrifice. So if I choose to use steroids, 
I have to understand that if I get caught, I'm going to sacrifice whatever it is that I achieved because yes. I can't trust anything that you're doing. And it's no, like I have a daughter who's in sports Yep. and I'm sorry in high school, if a trans kid came to school and was like, and was an amazing baseball player yep. and then decided he was going to play softball because he identified as a girl, I'd have an issue with it. And that's not because I'm transphobic. I fully support adults and kids for that matter that, that are trans. Like I have no problem with that, but every choice you make in life to do something comes with some sort of sacrifice. So if you're going to decide that, okay, I feel that I'm, I have whatever it is to be a trans woman as a boy, you have to then understand that there is no place for you in sports at that point. Yeah. Like you're giving up that option right now because there is no trans league. Exactly. Like, because there's no third league, like there's, there's no third league yet. So if you want there to be, and you're a trans athlete, then you should make a movement to create that league for your group of exactly. gender, Exactly. right? A, a genderless league would be fine with me. But the reality is, is an 18 year old boy next to a 16, 17 year old girl is a gigantic genetic different. Oh yeah. Of course. Like it's yeah. very different. Yeah. So. They're going to hit the ball farther. They're going to run faster. They're going to play faster. They're going to play smoother. It's not going to be a fair playing field. And my kid has a risk of being hurt in that situation. Yeah. Like that puts my kid at risk of injury. Yeah. Because a line drive from an 18-year-old boy is a lot faster than a line drive from an 18-year-old girl. Of course. There are outliers. There are going to be outliers that are going to be freaks of nature and there is a girl out there that can hit the ball as fast as an 18 year old boy yeah i'm not taking that away from the girls that can do that what i'm saying is on average that's not the reality that's right right so we have to again as parents understand that this is my child i love them this is who they are and i'm going to take make the choice to support that then you have to understand that there are fundamental things that aren't available for them making that choice. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Like I've made choices in my life. Like I've made choices to eat lots of McDonald's. Abs are not in my life. That's the consequence. Yeah. Right. That's the consequence of my action. That's, and it's, and I'm not saying that it's a consequence to, and it's not a decision to be trans. I get that you're born. I get that you have a feeling. I get that this is who you are. And I support that 100%. But that doesn't mean you get to invade on somebody else's existence in their life to make it equal and make it equal is not fair and yeah, fair is not equal. That's that's Ben Shapiro's whole argument when you listen to him. Yeah, I listen. To I ben know or... Ben. I don't. I don't agree with all of his politics. Yeah. I don't agree with the fundamentals of a lot of things. Like he just doesn't even think that trans is a real thing. <laughs> like he doesn't, and that's fine. I do, and I've had conversations with teenagers about it. I've had conversations with teenagers that come over my house and they're like, "Oh, I, I identify as a boy." And I'm like, sweetheart, you're, you're wearing a dress, your nails are painted, and you have makeup on. And I get that there's boys that do that, but I, you're taking away from the guy that <laughs> is actually struggling with it or the girl that is actually struggling in their own being and in their own person with this actual real thing. You don't get to take that away from them either. Yeah. Like, you don't get to do this as a fad just because you want to fit in. Yeah. Like, that's not okay either because there are people out there that truly feel that way there are truly men and women out there that feel that they're in the wrong body 
and that's okay. And I support yeah. them and I love them. And I'm glad that they are, are finding the help to get them to a happy place in their world. Yeah. But you have to know that the choices in your life, because it is a choice at a certain point to be like, I am a woman. I want to live as a woman. That means I can't be involved in these sports. Yeah. I because agree. I, I have a genetic build I agree. that is unfair. And that, and that comes back full circle to the integrity part. Yeah. Do you have the integrity as an athlete to look at other people and say, I love this game. I'm going to do it for fun, but I'm not going to do it at a competitive level because my integrity doesn't allow me to as an athlete. Yeah. My integrity doesn't allow me to do steroids. My integrity doesn't allow me yeah. to do this thing. My integrity doesn't allow me to encroach on somebody else's right. My, exactly. Their freedom. And that's where it gets really muddy and it gets really hard to talk about <laughs> because you have to understand that equal is not fair and fair is not equal. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand what that means, I'm happy to help people understand it if they want to reach out and have a conversation about it. But there are a lot of things that I want in my world that just aren't fair or equal. Yeah. But that's like just part of my world and I have to accept it. Yep. I just have to accept those things as, oh, well, that's just not, you know, that's not equal. Like that yeah. kid or that person was born into a family with more money. Right. Same time. That doesn't mean that they're less loved or more loved. Yeah. That just means they have more money than me. And that means they're going to buy different stuff that I'm going to buy. Exactly. They're going to have different things that I have. And that's where, for me, it becomes a rational, logical conversation. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So I don't fuck care what Ben Shapiro thinks. Like, I think most of the time he's an asshole, but I think he's super intelligent. <laughs> yeah, he's I also smart. was listening to Matt Walsh on Rogan the other day. And, like, he had a lot of really great points in the gender argument. And then he started talking about pro-life. And I was like, oh, fucking now I can't listen to anything you said before this <laughs> because now everything's in question. Yeah. Like everything you said before this is in question because you can't answer a simple question about gay rights. Like the rights, of, like human rights are, are everyone's rights. Okay. Right. Human yep. rights are equal rights. Yeah. So I don't give a shit if you're gay or straight. Right. Right. These are your rights. Yeah. Yeah. Like you should be allowed to be married. If you're consenting adults, this should be allowed. Yeah. Right. Like I had a couple trolls on Instagram trolling me for a comment I made about bisexuality or whatever I was talking about. <laughs> and they started getting into the whole trans debate. Oh, man, I don't know. Like, yeah. I just want people to stay on fucking topic. Like, because yeah. like, we're going to post this, and people are going to get way off topic, or they're going to tell me that I'm this or I'm that. The reality is I'm not any of those things. I'm a, I'm a pro-choice guy. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a believer that you should live your best life, your best way, as long as it doesn't encroach on or hurt anyone else or put anybody in danger. Yeah. Right? Like, those are fundamental beliefs that I have. Yep. I also believe that you should have the right to bear arms if you want to. You want to buy a gun? Go for it. You think that that's something you need in your life? By all means, have it. Go for it. Like yep. These are things that, as long as you're not hurting or affecting somebody else, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. And that's the space that I live in. But nice. I'm happy to talk to anybody. Anybody that wants to have a conversation with me is welcome to sit in that chair. But I would be remiss if I had a pro athlete here and we didn't talk about trans men and women in sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, y- y- you really hit on a lot of the topics. I mean, I didn't, you know, when I was playing ball, I don't know of really, when I was coming through sports, it wasn't as acceptable now uh, then as it is now to come forward with those topics. Of course. 
It was very, um, you know, undercover if it was there. So honestly, I don't, I don't really have any experience dealing with those issues while I was a professional athlete. Um, so I really don't, I don't have a frame of reference. Right. Would I have cared? No, I wouldn't have cared because, you know, my job was to just be the best I could be and be a great teammate. Right. So as long as I'm on the field and my teammates are out there giving 100% trying to help win the championship, it never really mattered to me what their personal choices was in their personal life. I, I didn't, it didn't really affect me. Right. As I didn't, I didn't, should be. I didn't care. Like it, there's a lot of people I believe that they ask me questions in these types of topics in my experience. And I don't really have strong opinions because I didn't care. You know, right. it didn't, it didn't, I didn't treat anybody differently. Um, I had fun with everybody. I didn't right. care about their personal choices. We in in baseball, there's sev there's several cultures that are involved, that from Latin America, um, all the different races in baseball. Mm -hmm. I was friends with everybody. Of course, I was just a wicked funny guy that just loved on everybody. I didn't care. Um, but I guess my point is, is that I did, I just never really had any strong opinions about it or anything. I could see how. In today's world, it can get very, very uh, heated, you know, because we live in a society now where speaking up is encouraged. And so since there's been tons of speaking up over the course of the past 10, 15, 20 years, um, you know, these topics are at the forefront of people's minds, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I just don't have any real good content for it because I never paid much attention to it. Right. And but, that was kind of standard. So for me, it's not even about, it's understanding the fundamentals of athleticism at a certain point. Yeah. There's a reason why there's a women's league. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why girls can play baseball, but boys can't play softball. Like there's a reason for it. Yeah. There, it's, and it's physical. It's, it's a genetic physical reason. Yeah. So my, my opinion would be whatever biological um, gender you are is the arena you're competing in. So if you're biologically a male, then you will need to compete with biological other males. If you biologically are a female, then you need to compete in the appropriate arena. Um, and that's just for safety reasons and leveling the competitive field, you know, not having right. some ridiculous advantage based on a psychological feeling, you know? And it took years for women to get leagues in certain sports. It took years for women to get MMA. Years. Exactly. It exactly, took years, yeah. decades for women to get into boxing. Right. Right? It took decades for women to get their own basketball league. So it's going to take decades for trans folks to get their own league. That, like, that's just the reality. But it's possible. It. But it's right. possible. Exactly. And it should be something that somebody that's an athlete that is trans or believes that they should have the opportunity to compete, they should be working on it. They should be developing that league. Right. That I, know, is I know what you're that saying. Should happen. Rather than trying to penetrate right. an already existing. Right. Or just yeah, have yeah. a co ed league. There are yeah. plenty of co ed leagues yeah. of all kinds of sports. Yeah, I, I get play it. in the co ed yeah. leagues. But understand that it's fundamentally different for a for a woman, a female, biologically female, to want to play 
Major League Baseball or football versus a biological male wanting to play women's basketball <laughs> or I know. women's women. Like, I know. it's just, it's, they're, like, that's just science. So a lot of people ask me, because there's a lot of women, believe it or not, in professional baseball now. Um, yeah. You know, they, the Giants have hired some women, uh, a lot of professional baseball teams. And a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that, Gary? And, and to be honest with you, I, I'm kind of for it, man, in yeah. some ways, because women are very detail-oriented by nature. They care. They have a caring more so than men. And you probably, and most men speak about their feelings more truthfully to women than they do to other men. So it's possible that um, they might be more suited to coach some of these players just by nature of, of their instincts. Well, you know, so like if they're hitting coach or something, they might be able to problem solve quicker you know, than a guy coach could possibly be. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I would have never had a problem with it because no. honestly, if you, can, if you can feed me 20 batting practice, you know, if you could just do your job and spend time with me, I wouldn't have given a crap again if you were male or female. The truth is, if you're trying to help me get better, I'm inviting you into my world. Well, for me, that's the same as having a male coach on a women's basketball team. Men have been coaching women's yeah, sports ex for, exactly. for decades. Exactly. That's the beginning of it. So I have no problem with women coaching men and men coaching women. That's not necessarily the conversation exactly. that people are having, but I agree. Like If women have the fundamental skills to help somebody improve their game, then they're the fucking person. They're the one exactly. that should be hired. Exactly. They're right? the like, one for it. You're the one for that job, period. Amen. Like I specifically went out and looked for a female coach for my daughter in softball Yeah. because I know that men don't play fast pitch softball. Exactly. And there are fundamental differences between softball and baseball. Exactly, yeah. So I wanted somebody that played at the, at the highest level of softball yeah. To coach my kid. Of course. And I wanted a strong woman in her life that would be another voice to help her become the woman that I wanted to help her become. Exactly. And men can't help her do that. Exactly. There is just a, a fundamental difference of a male coach to a female coach. And there's a huge difference between a coach that has actually played the game and a coach that has not. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that doesn't mean that you have to have played the game to be a good coach. You just have to have a fundamental understanding of the game to be yeah. a good coach. Exactly. Right? Be a great so communicator. I, I don't think that there's a any discrepancy on that level of involvement in the game for me at all. Yeah. Like that's one of those things where it's like, who's the best person for the job? Are you like, who's yeah, got the most skill and who's the one that has the most capability to improve my players to be the best that they are going to be. Of course. And for me as a parent, I specifically chose to find an athlete coach that played the position that my daughter plays yeah. to coach her. Of course. Because there's a difference between a baseball catcher and a softball catcher. Exactly, yeah. A huge difference. Absolutely. The ball comes in at an entire different angle. Angle. Yeah. I'm with you. The ball's a different size. Exactly. Every, like, there's so many fundamental differences in the game oh, yeah. that I wanted her to be able to have this person in her life to to help her get better. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, I think that there's a lot of, of great things that come out of being in sports. Oh yeah. 
I think that sports teach us how to work with other people. Oh, yeah. I think they teach us how to be resilient. I think they teach us so many amazing life skills. Yeah. Like for me, I think my daughter's going to learn more on the volleyball team and the softball team for life than she is in algebra. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you, man. I just, I just know that. And I know that I'm because I look at her algebra and it's the stuff that I did at her age and I have no fucking idea what it is. <laughs> like yeah. I'm completely fucking clueless. And yeah. I look at her, I'm like, honey, I don't know how to do that. So I literally call friends <laughs> that are funny. smarter than me. And yeah. I put them on speakerphone and I'm like, yo. How do you do this? How do you do this? Yeah. You're a teacher. Teach, bro. I get you. I know. Like, I know. It's a mess. Yeah. The, the, stuff, the stuff you learn in school, you know, I get it. It's, you know, your ability to read something, understand something, apply something, gain the approval from the teacher. But it really has nothing to do with your ability to you know, move forward in life outside of school. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have, it doesn't have hardly any, any weight as to, you know, where you're going to end up. I think it teaches you you how to be a really good employee. I agree with you. I think there are things that, that being in school will teach you about being an employee and how to be successful as an employee. And I think that sports and extracurricular activities in groups are what teach you how to be a leader. Yeah. And how to be something. Yeah, you more. nailed it right there. Yeah, school, you know, school was set up by employers looking for employees, right? Mm-hmm. The institution of school. Um, you know, and I say this all the time when I coach kids, you know, because, you know, a coach's dream is to go down to the park and see kids practicing on their own. Mm-hmm. But you rarely see that. And I always would ask myself, well, why? Why, why is that? Well, it's because, you know, sports are an extension of school in a lot of ways. So kids come to the park. Where they do what? They sit down. They wait for the coach to come. They have the coach tell them what they're going to be doing, and then they go off and do it. And then at some point, the coach is either giving them the approval or not. It's the same exact way the school system's set up. But like I tell the kids all the time, you know, I'm really excited when I see kids that are proactively making decisions on their own, getting to the park. They go tell themselves, I'm going to take 25, 30 extra swings in the batting cage with another buddy of mine. And we're going to proactively work on yep. our skills by ourselves. And then when the coach shows up, he's going to see us working our tails off on our own. And so th- as a coach, you're like, this is exactly what I'm hoping to see. But there's a piece of my brain that says, well, the school systems are set up like this. It's the ultimate employee model mm-hmm. where you sit down, shut up. We're going to tell you what to do. You're going to do it. And then we're going to either, we're going to give you a score on how well you did it. Right. That's the boss talking to you. Right. And don't get me wrong. I think that school is important. I think it's important to, to learn the fundamentals. I think it's important to learn how to listen, right? And to take direction. And it, I think it's very important to understand the fundamentals of being a good employee if you're going to be a boss, if you're going to be in the leadership of course. position. Yeah. Right. I just think that putting your kids in sports or an extracurricular activity that they're excited about. And if it, especially if it's a group activity, it's going to teach them to either step up and lead or find their role in a group and understand, okay, this is, this is where I sit in this group. This is, this is where I don't necessarily want to be the leader, but I also don't want to be the bottom of the pack. Yeah. I want to be good and I want to be part of the group and I want to be respected and I want to be liked but I don't want to be looked at and held accountable for everybody. 
Exactly. Yeah, the sports piece of it gives that kid more of the entrepreneurial training. Agreed. Model, which basically says, hey, there's two minutes left in this game. How in the heck are we going to win this game together yeah. as a group? There's no syllabus for that. There's no teacher saying, you're going to do, do this and do... No, we, guys, we're going to have to come together and figure out a way to win this game together. Right. I mean, that's how real business works. Yeah. Is you have... You have a bottom line, you have a top line, you have a margin, and you're saying to yourself the whole time, how are we going to, how are we going to move this needle? Yeah. We got to be creative and we got to come together and figure this out as a group. And that's exactly what sports will do for the kids. That's exactly what it's going to do for them. hundred percent. And that's why plugging your kids into sports at young ages is incredibly beneficial and there's no metric on it. But we all know as parents, it's, it, it's, it's an incredible component to do it. Well, I think it's ath- young athletes know it. Yeah. Kids that were successful as athletes in school and growing up realize the fundamental need for their kids to be actively involved in sports. Not only because they learn all these skills, but it's a fucking actual physical health thing too. Like, what is your kid doing if they're not in a sport? Right. Like, what are they doing actively? What, like, what activity are they doing? Because they don't have to be in a sport. Maybe they don't like any sports. Maybe they like horseback riding, or maybe they like riding bikes, or maybe yeah. they like skateboarding. The research shows kids aren't moving. They're just right. becoming lazy, fat slobs, trolling through the internet, YouTube, and things that are capturing their attention and siphoning their self-direction and sense of self and just taking it off themselves tranquilizing them themselves watching some kid unwrap gifts on youtube and then evaluating the gifts yeah it's insane you know so like i tell my kids all the time stop reading someone else's book and start writing your own book you know stop feeding into exactly what this kid wants on youtube which is for you to sit and do absolutely nothing except idolize some some kid evaluating tonka truck toys What's it it's saying? the ultimate lazy piece of shit model. It's yeah. the ultimate. And well, and that's, that's what I try and tell my kids too, is like, if you want to be involved in social media, then you're going to have to find a way to be active and have something to show. Because you're not going to be a troll. You're not going to be somebody that's online just watching everybody's life and letting your life go by. That's exactly right. Right? Like that's my point. You're going to, I know it is. And you're, that's what you mean by write your book. Like, yeah. like you need to get involved. So if you want me to support you on social media, you better have something that is so exceptional that it's worth fucking looking at. Exactly. Because your day-to-day life is fucking boring. <laughs> right. So you better be exceptional at something if you want to be on the internet. Right. Right. To capture people's attention. Right. Like, and you don't belong doing something if you don't think you're exceptional at it. I think I'm exceptional at having conversations. I think I'm good at it. I enjoy having conversations with people. I enjoy meeting new people, especially successful people. Cool. But I'm cool having a fucking conversation with somebody that's not. I'd, yeah. I could sit and talk to strangers for hours. <laughs> that's awesome. I just can't. I just enjoy it. I enjoy understanding where people have come from and what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it. And I also enjoy helping people improve what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that, too. I have a shit ton of people that call me for advice and for help on developing and or growing ideas that they're having going, Danny, how do I do this? Or Danny, how do I do that? Or, all right, man, walk me through this. How can I get from point A to point B so I can do this, this, and this? 
And it's like, all right, well, what do you got? Where are you starting? Yeah, that's fun. I know. I love that shit. Absolutely. So that's what I'm posting. That's what I'm doing right now with the podcast. That's, I think that at 43 years old, all the shit that I've done in my life, living in New York, living in LA, being a clown in the circus, playing sports, doing what I've done, building my business from a $27,000 business a year to a $500,000 business a year in four years. Good for you. This is, this is what we're doing. Like I'm out here having these conversations because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. Like I'm a bipolar kid that learned how to get off my meds because I taught myself what it meant to be bipolar through therapy and through a psychologist and understanding the fundamentals of, okay, this is what my brain is doing and this is why it's behaving this way. How do I fix that? Or, and I can't fix it. I can only adjust it. I can only start redefining things and, and understanding what I'm going through in order to adjust those things. So you were exceptional at baseball. Yeah. That's what you, that, because you fucking loved it. You're not going to be exceptional at something if you don't fucking love it. Yeah. There's no way to be exceptional. There's there's not. And the only thing that you can be exceptional at is things that you love. Yeah. Me and my brother talk about Grant Cardone all the time. You know, be obsessed or be average. Mm -hmm. Like he's right. (laughs) Like you gotta be, you don't have to be, but if you want to be amazing at, at, at things, now I'm not, I'm not talking about the half a percent of the population that right. is just hit the genetic lottery and it's just so talented. They're just a freak, right? right. They're, because they're out there. Oh yeah. They're out there in every business. Of uh, course. And, every in, business. and in sports, you see them. Yeah, you know, Mike, the Michael Jordans, the Barry Bonds, the, yeah. you know, those people. But if you want to be amazing, you got to be obsessed. You have mm-hmm. to be OCD. You have to be an addict. You have to be a savage. You have to be unreasonable. You have to be um, just unrealistic with just about everything you do in the thing you want to be unbelievable at. Because yep. that's the only way unbelievable happens. And I knew, I knew that as a player. You know, as you climb the ladder in those arenas, you start to see what unbelievable looks like. And you start to ask yourself, can you get there? And when you start to prove to yourself that you can get there, it fuels the passion. And you start becoming just a, an, a, a savage and obsessed. That's why I never, I never had a family. You know, I never had a, a steady girlfriend while I was a pro athlete. Sure. Up until I was probably in my 30s. You know, because I needed to be so narcissistic. I needed to be so self-centered. All the things that are relationship killers... I needed to be that times 10. That's what it takes. Because that's what it took. It, if you want to be exceptional, it takes being obsessed. Exactly. Michael Jordan was obsessed. Exactly. LeBron James is obsessed. Kobe Bryant was obsessed. That's right. Yeah. You were obsessed. Yeah, insane. I am obsessed with yeah. doing what I do. I was not obsessed with being a filmmaker. It's what I wanted to do and I enjoyed it, but I never allowed myself to be obsessed with it. Right. Because it, it, I didn't love it that much. I really love the process. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And I'll make a movie and like, and I thought I was obsessed with it. I thought it was what I was meant to do. But looking back at it, the way that I focus on this business is not the way I focused on making movies. It just isn't. Yeah. But I can make a movie faster and cheaper than pretty much everybody else. That's cool. Because I'm obsessed with it. Like I get obsessed with things and 
I just fucking focus and hammer down on that thing. <laughs> there you go. But you cannot be successful. You cannot be successful without obsession. You you can't you can't be the you can't be your best version of yourself without it. No. Because I always tell the kids I help train that you know you know what the you know what the biggest thing um, kids or people need in order to really maximize their true potential is courage. Mm-hmm. You got to have the balls to to really lay it all out there, man. It's yeah. not easy, but you have to do it. You know, pushing yourself in every single thing you do until you're just completely exhausted or you've just had enough. Yeah, and you just feel out of balance really you feel yep. out of balance um it's very hard to convince people that that's what it takes some people think they're think they're there but they they might not be not not might not be there i mean you talk to dave goggins he talks about the 40 percent rule you know you're yep. really only 40 percent there man when you think you're done yeah um but i know firsthand that um you know you can dive into some really deep reserves to get a little bit more out of yourself you know and you figure that out as you're getting to the tippity top, especially in sports. Yeah. That you, you, you got, you're almost there, man. And if you can succeed in those very, very high level arenas and keep your mind right, um, you can do pretty good. And that's, well, yeah. I tell my daughter all the time, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Yeah. And I'm okay with whichever one you want to be. Yeah. But great takes work. Great takes work. And it takes uncomfortable and it takes swearing forward and it takes being angry. And, you know, I'll be preaching that stuff to my kids as they get older, you know, and just basically letting them know, you know, I know you're improving when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you want to kill me and I'm going to not stop. I'm just going to message you. I'm going to keep going. And that's how I know you're getting better. But if you're always happy at the park and everything's great, you're hitting the ball well, and you're not really growing that much. I need, I need to really get in their heads a little bit. Yeah and figure out where their pain points are and stay there. <laughs> well, I think that's what I missed out on as a kid. Yeah. I think I missed out on having a great coach. Yeah. I think I was stuck in, I, I, my coach, coaches were great in the sense that they, they taught me a lot of really good lessons. Yeah. But I don't think, I think that I was one of those players that was always pretty good. And now, did had, you just do football? Was it, was I played it football and wrestled. Wrestled, yeah. And I was always pretty good. Like yeah. I was always the kid that was like, I started, I was varsity. Yeah. I, was captain of my wrestling team. I was pretty good, but I never had a coach that helped me understand the extra work that it would take to be great. Yeah. And that's where everything fell short. Yeah. Right? Because I think I probably, with my personality, could have been great yeah. had I had a great coach. Right. And I just didn't have a great coach. I gotcha. So I that's gotcha. kind of, I think... And that's not pointing fingers, and I don't think no. that, that... And I think I have a great life. Like, I like my life. Yeah. But I don't think I ever had a coach that was pushing me to understand yeah. what it meant to excel and exceed expectation. Yeah, that's understandable. Coaches are in charge of a group of kids, you right. know. To spend time with an individual kid takes a lot of extra time on the coach's sure. part, you know. So to their defense, you know, when they have a three hour window, you know, they're exhausted too. Right. But I I understand, you know, those take extra those take side side appointments or meet or personal meetings, but I understand because Absolutely. I can't coach individual kids when I'm trying to manage 15 kids on the baseball field. Right. I'm worried about the group, not the individual. And that's why I say I had I had great coaches and yeah. like I had great parents. My parents were very loving parents. Yeah. But I'm one of seven. 
<laughs> and six of my kid of my siblings were adopted. Wow. Right. So I'm the one biological of seven. Wow. So I didn't really have the opportunity to have somebody look at me and be like, this is how you be great. Yeah. Right. They were all doing stuff. And my parents were great parents. They loved me very much. Like yeah. they, they, that's awesome. They're wonderful people. So I, and again, like my coaches were wonderful people. Like I, I have a who, lot. Who of was the coach there? Was it Gunn? Dunn? Dunn. Coach Dunn. Yeah. Dunn and Wheelock. Art Wheelock. Yeah. 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 They were the coaches at Rockville. They were yeah. great. Oh yeah. They're great. I, they were I, legends, I, man. I enjoyed playing. We did really well. We went to the state championship my sophomore year. Yeah. We played extremely well our, our junior and oh, senior yeah. year. That's cool. But it was just all of that. It was sports that helped me even survive school. <laughs> of like, course, man. I was bullied a lot because really? I changed school so much. Yeah. I, I was kind of quirky because I had six adopted siblings and people didn't understand it. So there was a lot of little idiosyncrasies and peculiarities that were me that made it easy for me to be a target. Gotcha. Yeah. So I played well enough to not be a target. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Cause I played violent sports, violence a lot, like in the eighties and nineties, it was a little different than it is now. Yeah, yeah. Violence meant fear and fear meant respect. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if you were on one of the violent sports and you were one of the violent kids <laughs> on the field. Yeah. It immediately meant, okay, that dude, we don't fuck with that person. Yeah, he's, a t yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Right. Beat my ass. Yeah, of course. Right. So it was, it was that that helped me survive after my, you know, freshman year. Gotcha. That I was able to find that in myself. Yeah. And understand that, oh, okay, if I do this, then they won't do this. Yeah. So I just leaned into it. Good right? for you. And, and that's what saved me but it also allowed me to understand how to lean into things in a way to get what i wanted oh yeah and that's what i attribute to all of my success in life is learning how to lean into the hard shit yeah 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 and i tell people all the time bro if you haven't failed at something your life must suck <laughs> like what the yeah. fuck have you done if you haven't failed exactly you're clearly not trying enough shit yeah and you're clearly not working hard enough at having an extraordinary life yeah. You get one go at this shit as far as we know. That's right. Like nobody has proven that you have anything else after this. Yeah, I know. So you might as well just do the shit that you want to do while you're here. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Well, it's like the million dollar question I would ask somebody is, you know, think of the most fulfilling things you've ever done in your life and then rate them on a scale of difficulty, right? Yep. And I know in my life, the, the things that gave me the most joy or the most satisfaction were bar none the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. And there's a reason for that because mm -hmm. like you said, you know, no pressure, no diamonds type stuff is it's really crazy that the most painful things in life create the, the most fulfilling feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like anything that is handed to you will never be on that list. Not a single thing. Not a single thing. And it's, it, as you get older, you realize it's just no surprise that if you want to be good at anything and you want to really maximize your potential, you got to go towards the pain. <laughs> it's kind of a sick thing, but it's the truth. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's part of our survival mechanism as human beings. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we're at the beginning of time, we had to, we had to put ourselves in extremely scary scenarios just to survive. Yeah, of course. We had to hunt our food. We had to yeah. gather our food. We had to deal with the elements. We had to deal with each other. We had to deal with other tribes. We had to deal with other shit. 
and it has gotten progressively easier as time goes on. Yeah. And like you said, like lazy shit is right now. Yeah. The whole demasculin, like, like the we, demasculinization of the American man, right? Like it kind of falls in all that topic too. It can. I don't like for me, I think that you can, because of my, my past and the leaning into the violence as a teenager. Yeah. I have learned that it, that necessarily you don't have to be as masculine to be understood as a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there is a vibrato and there is an understanding that there still has to be that if you're going to be in a loving relationship with another person, Mm -hmm. you have to know that you have to have teeth to protect those people. Yeah, of course. When I adopted my niece, it instantly became, this is my cub. Yeah. And anybody else that comes near it, or tries to harm it, has to go through me. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, when I got yeah. married, yeah. and I fell in love with the woman that I married, it instantly became, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're her mom, her dad, her cousin, her best friend, her whatever you are, you have to go through me if you want to hurt her. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And that doesn't mean that I have to be masculine and tough and, and, and challenge everybody to a fucking duel. It just means that I have to know that at certain points I have to protect the things that I love just as my wife protects me from stuff. Yeah. And anybody that's married to a good person, like has a good partner, knows that their partner will go to bat for them. Oh, yeah. And they will protect them at all costs. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like you better be ready for a fight if you want to get to me through my wife. (laughs) Yeah. Because I guarantee you she's going to step between us and she'll fucking kill you. (laughs) that's awesome and i would do the same yeah of course so for me i don't look at it as demasculating men as much as it's i still firmly believe that equal is not fair and fair is not equal so as much as you want to demasculate or tell men that they can't be strong or tell men that they can't be something the reality is you can say whatever you want to say but the weaker you make your sons the more at danger they are yeah exactly in their life for failure. Exactly. They are not going to succeed as weak men. Exactly. And that doesn't mean they have to be strong and they have to be violent and they have to hurt people. What that means is they have to be mentally tough. They have to be able to understand failure and they have to know that not everything is going to be handed to them just because they want it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what the new modern masculinity has to look like. Exactly. And that's where the fundamental change has to be like, Yeah, I don't have to fight you to show you that I'm a man. I don't have to be stronger than you to show you that I'm a man. I don't have to say that women have to be pregnant, barefoot, and in the kitchen to be a man. I don't have to make misogynistic jokes to be a man. What I have to do to be a man is fucking show up. Exactly. That's what I have to do. Yeah. Because that's what men who want to be men do. Yeah. They show up. Yep. I don't care if you. you get the shit kicked out of you when you show up. Yeah. But they fucking show up. And if you don't show up, you're not a man. Yeah. If you don't show up, you're not a woman. Yeah. Moms need to show up. Wives need to show up. Yeah. Women need to show up. They get in the game. Get in the fucking game. Exactly. And if you teach your kids that it's okay to wait for the handout or that you're going to protect them for their entire lives, you're fucking lying to them and you're setting them up (laughs) for failure. Oh yeah. They're screwed, man. I'm with you. So, like, do what you want. Tell yeah. your kids what you want to tell them. But at the end of the day, know that 
I know a lot of really successful people and they are mentally tough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the more that you allow them to get soft and the more you allow them to, to lean into weakness. Oh yeah. And hide. You're screwing yourself. The more unsafe and the more in danger they're going to be in life because there are people out there that are still raising savages. Yes. And I don't mean savage in a good way. I mean, they're actually raising violent, dangerous people, whether they're doing it on purpose or on accident, there are violent, dangerous people in the world that are predators that will fucking eat your children alive. If you don't (laughs) teach them how to be tough. I agree. agree. They are going to bully them on the internet. They're going to bully them in life. They're going to push them down. They're going to kick dirt on them. They're going to call them fucking names and they're going to come home crying to you and you're going to call their parents and their parents are going to kick the shit out of you. Exactly. Exactly. Like there is danger. And it's a new world too. It's a new world. I know. Can you imagine? I mean, the, the bullying that goes on like online and stuff that was really, we never grew up with that. Of course not. We didn't have it. We didn't have it. You know? So it's just kind of like, yeah, you're an asshole, you're a pussy, you know, whatever. And you just kind of walk away. And that was the end of it. But you know, these kids live with this stuff online now and, um, it's a big, it's a big issue, you know, well, that's and I the feel big for thing, kids. right? Is that yeah. they, you used to be able to go home and be safe. Exactly. You used to be able to like, leave it all. Like when I got bullied in school and it was the worst, like I, they just made me feel terrible. I could at least go home and laugh and have fun and enjoy my space and my time and get my, my head wrapped around the fact that I'm not what they think I am. Right. Now it just sits there on the internet. Now it's just, you can read it 10 times. you let your kids on the internet and you let your kids on social media, they're literally right there. Reading it In their face, reading it all. All day, every day. Right. Like somebody. Right before they go to bed. One of the girls from school texted my daughter today and was like, oh, there's this new app. A couple boys voted for you for something. And so I texted her because I found out about it later. I was like, so who voted you for what? And she's like, I don't know. I think it was a scam. I was like, okay, so just so you know, you need to remember that you're fucking dope, you're smart, you're beautiful, and who gives a fuck what any boy thinks about you? Because they're fucking dumb. (laughs) Boys are fucking stupid. Yeah. They're just dumb. I was a boy. I know that they're dumb. They don't get smart until they're about 25. They're fucking dumb. Yeah. There are are exceptions to the rule, but for the majority, we're, we're all fucking stupid. So you don't need that. So she was like, yeah, slay queen. And I was like, fuck right, slay queen. That's right. <laughs> Good so, for you, dude. Good for you, man. I'm shit. I'm going to hire you to talk to my kids, man. Fuck it. I love it. It's what we do here. I love it. I, I love it, man. You're, on, you're, you're, you're spot on, man. Everything you say, you're spot on, you know? And you know, if there's any, if just listening to you talk, you're, you're spot on, man. Everything you talk about with, you know, how to get to your goals, how to move your life forward. You're, you're absolutely spot on. I think the one piece of the puzzle that I may be able to add, and I do talk a lot about this, is um, you know, visualization and moving your brain out of the fear side, like making literally making a chart with with a line down the middle and putting all the things that stop you from moving forward on one side of the chart and moving and putting all the things that help you move forward on one side of the chart and really training your brain to stay on the side of the chart that moves you forward. It's a skill. Yeah. And that's where I was able to do better than I feel a lot of other people that had more physical talent than I did was I got really good at that piece of the puzzle. And 
I think if there's anything that the listeners can take from me is that your mind has a huge impact on the outcome of your journey. 100%. And it is about hard work. It is about physical training. It is about coaching. It is about who your family members are, who your sphere of influence is as a young kid. But the ultimate result is going to be based on how disciplined your brain is to move towards the, you know, the, the things that move you forward. Absolutely. That's actually going to be the ultimate result, you yeah. know, and it's the truth, man. Well, in our age bracket, visualization was what it was called. Yeah. Now in the 2000s, it's called manifestation. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's law what they of attraction. They've just all that, but shit. they, yeah. but that, that's all they've changed it to. Yeah, like they yeah. don't understand that visual visual visualization is the law of attraction. Right. Visualizing yourself being successful. Visualizing what you want. Visualizing yeah. how to get what you want. That yeah. is manifestation. Exactly. That's all that is. Right. And the secret came out, and then they right. kind of changed the and culture they, of what they thought right. it was. And they yeah. grabbed that, and they said, "All right, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to make a buck off of it." Right. Whereas coaches in our day were just talking about visual, see yourself hitting the ball. Yeah. yeah. See yourself catching the ball. Right. See yourself throwing the touchdown. Exactly. See yourself pinning exactly. that guy. Exactly. See your three moves. Like in wrestling, it's what three moves, what's your three move combination? Yeah. Always have three moves in a combination ready to go. What are they? Yeah. Visualize that before you get on the mat, visualize that thing and go get it. Yeah. All that is, is manifestation. Exactly. So, and I would implement that in any training program with people that are wanting to improve their lives. I would, yep. I would carve out a, a time block and say, I'm going to work on this piece of the puzzle. As corny as it may sound, it is a big factor in, your, in a person's ability to move their life in the direction they want to. And if they're moving it to the tippity top, it's going to be even more of an important factor in, 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 in them getting there. If you can't see yourself at the top of a mountain, You'll never get to the top of the mountain. Exactly, exactly. You have to be able to see it. Exactly. Right? Like, I'm a fat fuck now. I eat a lot. But I also go to the gym three times a week. Okay. And the reason I'm not losing weight is because I don't give a fuck. Like, okay. I really don't. I know that my body hurts and I know that I need to move and I know that I'm getting older. So I go to the gym three times a week to maintain the mobility. Okay. But if I wanted to visualize myself looking like a fucking Spartan... <laughs> and I really paid attention to it. Yeah. I could do that. You could do it. Yeah. I'm not going to. Right. Just simply not willing to. I'm not willing to do exactly. that. And yeah. that's the difference. And that's okay. I don't right. have a problem with it. But the willingness is the difference. Exactly. And when people look at me and they go, oh, you're going to talk about health or you're going to talk about this and you're going to look like that. Well, yeah, I can tell you how to do it. That doesn't mean I'm going to fucking do it. Exactly. Like, I'm not here to be your fucking physical trainer. I'm not here to tell you, like, I'm here to tell you how to reach a goal. I'm here to tell you how to be successful. I'm here to ha help you have a practical understanding of what success is and how to execute it. Yes. I can execute success, but I'm not interested in looking like a Spartan enough to eat chicken and broccoli every fucking day for the next six months <laughs> and work out five hours a day. Because yeah. that's what it fucking takes. If you want to look like that, it takes obsessed. Yeah. And I'm not obsessed with it. I never will yeah. be. But yeah. that doesn't mean I don't take my health seriously, and it doesn't mean that I don't go to the gym or work out or at least attempt to eat healthier on a regular basis. Yeah. But I also enjoy fucking food, and I like cupcakes, and that's just how you it don't is. Wanna, yeah, you're just not choosing to be a Spartan. A Spartan or right. Like, you're not choosing your brain to just be obsessed. Right. You're not taking that road in that part of your life. Right. I'm obsessed on other things. On other things. And I can't be obsessed on everything. 
Exactly. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the energy for it. I agree with you. I'm obsessed with raising my daughter. Yep. I'm obsessed with loving my wife. And I'm obsessed with growing my business. There you go. That's all I have room for. Amen. There you go, brother. That's it. I like that. Um, so just getting back to one more point, like coaching the, so with coaching the kids, like you just mentioned, you know, one of the developmental improvements I've made over time is not taking a, a kid's performance personally. Mm -hmm. Because when you start to coach kids and you start to tell people how to move themselves forward, you, you start to associate their performance with your coaching. Yep. Like, damn, I, I've been making, I've been helping this kid for this long and I'm, he's not, I'm just not seeing the improvement. And then you start feeling like garbage about your ability to coach, right? So again, vis, you know, doing a lot of mental training and really compartmentalizing my piece of the puzzle and their piece of the puzzle and separating myself from their performance, basically saying, hey, listen, you need to choose to do these things and simply improve yourself and become your best coach. But me as your coach, I'm not accountable for your performance. You're accountable for your performance. The only thing I'm doing to you is laying out the roadmap. It's your job to follow it. And it's your job to understand this so that you can, you can create your own roadmap. Yep. So I'm going to sleep well at night if, if, if your performance is complete horseshit and you've paid me and spent time with me because I'm laying out to you the God's honest truth about what I feel you should do to get better. Yep. And that's where I've gotten better in my mind because I, you know, you lose sleep sometimes over as a coach over players that really aren't making the improvements and it's very difficult. Some coaches can't handle it, Yeah. you know, and it's hard, but I've gotten better as I've gotten older separating myself off the player's performance saying this all this is on them dude it's not don't put that pressure on yourself the yeah. performance isn't on me man well i would bring that back to owning a business yeah exactly. and that's how you have to be as an owner of a business with your employees yeah you can give them the roadmap you can make ex expectations but if they don't meet them you have to separate yourself from it and go okay am i willing to accept this performance from these people based on other things yeah or do i need to let them go Exactly. Are they ruining my business or are they adding to my business in some way? And some people's performance may not be an output. It may be in bringing the team together. Yeah. It may be in camaraderie. It intangibles. may be in intangibles yeah. that actually help other people have a better output. Yeah. I'm because of the way that they handle it. Yep. So it's that same concept of owning a business is the same as being oh, a yeah. coach. Oh, yeah. When are you going to start your coaching program, coaching the coaches? Um, you know, I'm, the, I'm one of the directors of South Windsor Little League right now. Um, I'm in charge of the training and the, and the skill training. So one of the things we talk about is, is having, um, some coaching seminars for the coaches. You know, you take it, of course it's volunteer, of course it's on your own time. And what I've noticed is you take, you know, you take an average coach that maybe knows a little bit about the sport, wants to, wants to participate, but just doesn't have the confidence on how to run a practice, the basic yep. skills. And so I'm going to gear some curriculum towards that person that, hey, we want you out there, man. If you want to volunteer, you love the kids, but you just don't have that, 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 you know, that piece of confidence that makes you feel good to get out there, I'm going to provide that roadmap for you. So we're in the process of putting together some dates and times where we can not only have you know, training sessions for the players, but also training sessions for the parents that want to get involved, that want to coach. And say, hey guys, you have nothing, nothing to worry about. 
I have it all laid out for you on the, on how to teach the skills of the sport and what to focus on, you know? So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we get a good response from those types of things. You should do a video series on it. That's a good, that's a, that's a very. Then they can watch it at their own, at their own right. leisure. That's exactly right. And that's maybe that's something we can talk about too. Yeah, absolutely. Is how I to. I got kids in South Windsor. I'd help you do that. How to put that together. And, um, you know, they can have it right on their little league website. Yeah. Um, and that way and people can click on it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the, these are things we talk about, um, all the time with the little league meetings and just how to improve things and make things a little bit more streamlined and easier it's awesome. for people to get involved and learn. All right. Yeah. Do people have, do you have an Instagram or something where people can follow you? Um, I don't have an Instagram. Um, I do personal lessons at, through, at my house, uh, in my basement, um, I've been doing it 29 years. I've never, I've never chosen to really grow the, grow that type of business in my life. Sure. It's always been, um, people texting me, Hey, I need some help with my son or I really want to come down and hit and I'll do it on a half hour, an hourly basis. Um, and that's kind of the model I've always kept, uh, because you know, my day-to-day -day stuff is more of my real estate stuff and kind of my day-to-day, -day, uh, mortgage business. Where can they find uh, that? Um, so that's, that's right on my Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Um, you know, if you go to Gary Burnham Jr., it's all right there. I have a, a, a Right Step Mortgage page on that, on um, Gary Burnham Jr.'s pages. Awesome. And then my Facebook is Gary Burnham, Gary Burnham Jr. That's me on Facebook. Um, so I do have all that stuff laid out and people can certainly reach out to me through private messaging um, and just go right on the, go right on Facebook and reach out to me that way. Uh, but I'm always willing to help anybody, anybody inside the real estate investing world. I'm happy to talk to them about it. I have 31 units of rental real estate all in West Hartford Center um, that I helped build after I got out of baseball. Uh, I am in the, the residential and investment loan business, so I can help people that want to do some real estate investing as well or need a mortgage. I know rates are crazy high right now, but it still doesn't stop investors from buying properties where it's paid for by the tenants. You know, it's still not a bad buy. Yeah. Um, and I also do private baseball lessons for locals that reach directly out to me. So awesome. I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm going to continue to just run with it and keep going with it. And, and, um, it's going to be a fun run for sure. Thanks for coming out, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, my man. Thank this you. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thank man. you.